In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, who's this into your life? Well, we're not talking an amplified, volume-cranked, microphone-charged voice. We're talking about someone whose opinion matters and affects who you are. Well, welcome to GirlfriendIt, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty, and today we're talking about words and the effect that they have in your life. Well, you know what? What others say about us and to us really does matter, and sometimes we want to go, oh, I'm fine, thank you. That comment just rolled off, you know, rolled around, and, and I didn't, it didn't do any damage, but, but it really does. We're really not always fine, thank you. And it's interesting because sometimes when you hear the words or somebody says something, it might roll off your back at the time. Right. And it could be years later that you realize that it really did have an impact, even though you, you didn't even think it did, but the fact that you remembered it from 30 years ago. Yes. Not that we are that old by any means. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean when we were five, 30 well, years ago? But yeah. you know what? It goes back to that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. That is such a farce. <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, we always were told that. It's like, no, those words hurt. They, they really they leave scars in our psyche and emotionally. And, um, and like can, I said, we don't think they do sometimes. And they can change the way you do things. I know I had a friend that I just met this week, and um, we were talking about, the, you know, the impact of what people have had in your life and how it's nice to have, you know, mentors or someone that can just encourage you. And um, we talked about how when we were on vacation, when we were fifth and sixth grade, um, she's always struggled with her weight and how someone walked in when she was eating a cheese crisp and said, they're going to be like 300 pounds. Mm. And she, she heard that, and that had an impact on her to this day. To this day. She remembers that story. Yes. And, and you know, probably at the time, it was like, I'm a kid. I might be a chubby kid, but I'm not. And you laugh. Yeah, and we laugh so many mm-hmm. times just because you don't know what else to say. And you're devast- inside, you're devastated. But on the outside, we laugh. Yeah. And, you know, they say a lot of comedians, um, they have, they're really, they deal with a lot of depression, but they mask it a lot by, on the outside, coming across very funny and witty and trying to make other people laugh so they don't realize some of the pain in their own lives. And a lot of that pain comes from words that have been spoken to them as children or, you know, been abused, just, you know, Verbally, yeah. Well, and some of the some of those words are true, and so it can be um, it can be very hurtful when they you you know that they're true. I know um, this was way back in my twenties. I went out with a guy, and this is when 
lip liner was I like, love oh. stories here. It's just going to be good, I can tell. <laughs> well, lip liner was kind of, you know, a hot thing. You always yeah. wore your lip liner, and it was always like a shade darker yeah. before you would fill it in with your, exactly. your I luscious remember that, lipstick. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I guess I might have gone a little crazy with the lip liner and maybe not lined my lips appropriately. <laughs> Were you doing it in a hurry, perhaps? No, I probably thought, I probably was spending time, and I probably thought I looked really good. <laughs> Knowing me, um, but um, we were all playing games, sitting at a table. So you know, it was a face-to-face activity. Uh-huh. And um, I got up to get a soda out of the kitchen, and he walked in there and said, "Patty, I got to tell you, you have lipstick all over your face." <laughs> and I went in the bathroom, and yeah, sure enough, you know, that lip liner had not had not lined my lips quite okay, the right I've got to interrupt here because I think there's a theme because on our last show you talked about having a glob of toothpaste that was turquoise on your face and you went to a, the school and you mortified your, your daughter because yes, you yes. were showed up. So you seem to have a theme with not of your face. and Maybe I should look things. in the mirror more I think often. you need to have a mirror a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I should carry a compact so. and not rely on people's verbal abuse. When and what you think is mighty fine, fine might not be mighty fine. <laughs> But that is interesting how some people can um, have that ricochet off of them a, a, a little bit better, and maybe it is through humor or, or whatever. Well, I know you've told me stories before, and, and I think you're relatively healthy and um, a little quirky, but relatively healthy. Relatively. Relatively. And I know with our two temperaments, my temperament, some of the stories you you share, and, and you're just like nonchalant about them, and I go, okay, I have to back up because I would have been scarred at that. That would have really affected me. And you're like, oh, no, I just think it's because of my age. I'm like, no, it wasn't your age being a child. It was your temperament that you can get past that. And not everybody has that temperament that can go, oh, well, I'll just go forward. Yeah. yeah. No, you, well, I know um, one story that I told you recently, and you, you said that. You go, okay, I would have been devastated. with When I was in eighth grade, I was notorious for being in the principal's office. And one time my, my – And I must say I was never in the principal's <laughs> office, so that alone, just being called to the principal's office could have put me under. And maybe that's it. You get so used to it. You know, even someone new <laughs> going to the principal's <laughs> office. And maybe that's how some people are able to have it ricochet off of them. Um, My my best friend at the time in eighth grade, she got called into the principal's office as well. And it was interesting because I met her for coffee a couple years ago, and she said, I'll never forget that day. Because as we were walking to the principal's office, you started asking, were you with me when we did this? <laughs> were you with me when you did this? No. Were you were you with me when I you did this? You had that many no. stories. And so... We couldn't figure out why she would be called with me, you know, guilt by association. I don't even remember where you, you know, what what did we possibly do? And when we got called in there, it was something out of the, so out of the ordinary. We had it wasn't happened, on your top ten list. It was not on my top ten of all of the pranks I had done. One of them was pushing a boy into the girls' locker room. And uh, the the vice principal and the principal, when they sat us down, they they used some Old Testament scripture, which made us look like, you know, we were... They went spiritual on you. They did go spiritual. And I, I even look at that going, okay, there's a, 
there's a spiritual abuse almost. Yeah. I'm not saying what I did was appropriate. No. I'm not, you know, saying my behavior was <laughs> was good by admit, admitting, admitting guilt. I totally take ownership, but it's funny because when you're from that lens I, it's of still being a child, per se, yes. and then to be told, you know, you've cursed these people, just like in the Old Testament, I don't know what it was, Lot's daughters or something, and and <laughs> you walk away just, you know, going, okay, that there is a verbal abuse there almost that you you could really take it the wrong way and yeah. n- not ever want to read the Old Testament again. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that can scar you because then that taints your view even on God and, and the whole church thing because it, it kicks into a legalistic a bunch of rules and it's like I just got compared so why would I want to, yeah. you know, and yeah. so you can totally get that and so many women as and people even that come to churches today will go, I was so wounded in the past mm-hmm. by a church because somebody will just flippantly say something like that thinking they're, you know, being righteous, whatever, and it can be devastating. Yeah, and a perfect example is that we've had women come to us with our husbands telling them to be submissive and literally throw it, throwing it in their face that you are, you are going to all these Bible studies and you're doing all these things, but yet you're not submitting to me. And But it's this verbal abuse. They use the, the, the spiritual part of it to, to tell them to have control over them. Well, we them. pick the pieces of the Bible that, that we want to use that can back up so we don't Absolutely. take the whole picture and then it, we throw... And you go, things. okay, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's pull Scripture back and say, okay, but husband, to be submissive, it also says that you are to love your wife as Jesus loves the, the body of Christ, as Jesus loves church. Are we getting a morning devotion right We are here? getting morning devotion. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you think of it that way, you go, okay, wait a minute. That would put you, Jesus died for the church. Yeah. So, okay, so are you willing to lay down everything for me and honor me and put me above you, and then I will be submissive? So if my husband is not bowing down before me, <laughs> I don't need to submit. He's a saint is all i got to say. Your husband is, yes, because you won't let him do anything else but adore you. And uh, you're, you're, like, adoring on demand is, is kind of your motto. <laughs> But it works for you. It really works for you. Well, and, and we did totally go off on a tangent on uh, what voices are you hearing. But I do think we have to be careful. Well, it goes and, back to words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes it's the absence of words because sometimes we're looking for somebody to give us, you know, a thumbs up and, and, and their approval and just that encouragement. And then when it doesn't happen, and from somebody that we really, their opinion matters, when they don't tell us great job or I love when you did this, or you're an amazing person at this, it can really devastate us too, the lack of words. And so I, I think it's always important to remember whenever you can offer words of encouragement or appreciation, do it while mm-hmm. you can, because mm-hmm. you never know if you're going to get that chance again. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think just leaving people, I always like to, like when my kids, when I travel, when we travel, and I know you're the same way with your kids, and or when my kids travel, I always want, I always want to leave them with, so they know. So if anything would happen, they know they are so loved and appreciated. And it's just important to me to leave leave people well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you never know. And and words are powerful. I don't want their last thing to remember me because I was like, you know, really going off on them or, you know, tearing them apart. It's mm-hmm. like, no, words are significant. And I think we can you choose our words wisely and, and choose who the words we listen to because um, sometimes we surround ourselves with people who do tear us down, and we keep putting ourselves back in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And that so situation. I have all of these five thousand stories of of words that people have 
um, offered me, not necessarily always in the best light, you would say your words um, have been the absence of. I think so, my, because, you know, my mom and my parents were great, and my mom always told me that I almost looked at and go, that was my mom. And I think I always, I always wish I had somebody in my life that was mentoring me, that was challenging me, that was telling me, you would be so great at this. And I wish I would have had those because I think that could have really, because my love language is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, that's what it would have made a really big difference to me. But everybody's different in their temperaments. Yeah, well, that's why you then now make it, uh, a priority to say things to your kids. Exactly. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Later in the show, we, we have some guests coming up. They're going to be sharing the effects words some other people have had on their lives and even the direction it sent their lives and how uh, and some of the options they've chosen and the paths they've chosen to go down as a result of those words. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togginap.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody in the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing? Chronicling her opinions on everything. The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, thanks for joining us. We have been talking this day about words, the effect of words, and the power of words in our life, whether they are, they, they're negative or positive, and how so many times it sends us down a path. And we need to always remember and see ourselves as a treasure, as a gift, and that we were created as someone with a purpose and and for a purpose. And so our next guest is somebody who specializes in treasures, specifically treasure boxes. Joining us right now is Coney Gold, and Coney is the community outreach representative for an organization called the Treasure Box. And Coney, we have been hearing so much about this Treasure Box, and so we just want to learn the significance of it, the need for it, and um, just your story and how you got into the Treasure Box. So welcome to Girlfriend It. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Well, yes, um, you know, the Treasure Box is an economical meal program. Basically, for $32, anybody can get a box of food that is designed to feed a family of four lunches and dinners for about a week. Um, This is a tremendous way for people to stretch their food budgets. It's a wonderful outreach tool, but most importantly, it's just it really is a way for people to share the love of Christ with a neighbor. Well, and I love how you guys say bringing communities together one box at a time. <laughs> that is so cute because it's, it's true. When you can come together and um, it, it, you connect on a level of this is what I got in my box. Well, this is what I got in my box. And then you can share even recipes with the items that you received in your box, which is really cool. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, we provide recipes in the boxes um, to use some of the items that are in the box because, you know, we are um, a society of people who are kind of a fast food generation and the art of cooking is kind of lost. So Mm -hmm. we get a lot of people who really don't know what to do with a whole chicken, for example, or even a pound of ground beef sometimes. So anytime we can help um, do that and facilitate that for people because it's so much cheaper to cook your own meals. Um, especially for a whole family, than it is to go out and actually buy meals. Well, you talked about, you know, what they do with a whole chicken. I remember growing up, my mom only bought chicken as a whole chicken, and she was, I just remember the visuals of her standing over the sink, rinsing it and cutting, you know, the legs off and cutting all the pieces. I would no sooner know how to cut a chicken to get the thighs and the breasts and everything. And that is kind of a lost art because we, we buy them already packaged and, deboned and de-skinned and you know we buy for convenience so many times and so we can put them in the crock pot if I cook and um and so it is it is kind of re-educating people to go you can cook you can put a meal together and there's an economical way to do that Absolutely. so I love the concept of what the treasure box provides and it, it that it really is for everyone it is. It really is. We have no income qualifications or restrictions of any kind. Basically, anybody who would like to save some money on their budget this month can go to our website at thetreasurebox.org, find a location nearest to them, and purchase a box. Um, the boxes are pre-purchased. Um, every month we have an order deadline and a delivery date. So, for example, for this month, you have until May 11th to order a box, and it will arrive on the 21st um, at a, the location of your choice. So we do partner with over 50 organizations in the Valley um, to get this out to as many people possible. Um, and we're excited to say that we've just launched into Tucson as well. Wow, that is that's really neat. And what what was the um, philosophy like? Who who was passionate enough to organize this to to make it go out there? You know, I work for a 
fabulous company called Good Source. Um, they are our parent company. The CEO of Good Source is a wonderful believer who just said, look, we have high-quality food. We are a wholesale food supplier, and we can get this, hand, this food into the hands of people, eliminate the middleman. Um, he went out and looked at all of the food ministries that were out there, took what he thought were the best of them, and created the treasure box about three years ago. And now we're in Nevada, all of California, and Arizona, and, and growing every month. Well, I do think it'd be really cool just to put a live chicken in one of those boxes. That came <laughs> that, I think we get some complaints, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, what do I do with We're this? really going back to basics here. With the, well, yeah. You know what? It's interesting. This is way off, way off course here, but um, we used to raise rabbits, and we would eat them. Um, so it, it is interesting because now when I tell my kids that, they just think that's the most horrific, you know, like <laughs> and I do too. animal cruelty. <laughs> how did you, you know, how did you kill them? Well, we used to hang them from the swing Oh, okay, set. I wouldn't go into detail right now. We're going to get all sorts of callers calling back. <laughs> so to, to think of, you know, what you do with a chicken it it is it's it's that whole animal cruelty cruelty, um, and it, it it's funny because um, you would freak a lot of people out obviously if you put that in the box, but you need to tell us just a little bit more of um, like so how many how many people will come pick it up is it a certain time that you come get it do they what uh-huh. are the stories that come out of this treasure box. You know, um, we work primarily with churches. Um, there, there's a couple reasons why we do that. One, um, the church uses it as just a fantastic um, benefit for their own congregation to help them stretch their food budget. And then, in number two, they use it as an outreach. And this is one outreach tool that you can use as an individual. You, it, it's kind of designed for people to look around their own neighborhoods and find out, look, who is struggling? Who do you know that could use this, whether it's at work, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a family member? And for $32, even I can afford to go buy a box for somebody and deliver a whole week's worth of groceries on their doorstep build a relationship with somebody, and share the love of Christ. Um, it's that simple. And that's really what it boils down to. We've had a lot of situations where people come to these churches who would nowhere, would never set foot on church property for any other reason. And, and they go there and they find smiling faces. They find people who, have, who want to listen to their stories and who have a heart to pray with them and to share the love of Christ with them and to be the light in the community that we were intended to be. So that's really been, it's been a tremendous um, ministry for the Valley that, uh, you know, I've just, I've been touched by the stories every week. We have some of our churches who will put on almost a carnival atmosphere. They have face painting and balloons, and they do a barbecue, and they make it a family event for people who come and pick up their boxes. Um, And that's a great tip, that if you are um, going through the treasure box, to also not only buy it for your family, but to get an extra one that you can continuously give to someone. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes. And an act of kindness. Yes. And that's a great thing to do with your kids, that they see that you're doing something to help other people. And how significant to get a box that will feed your family for a week. I mean, you can't do that for $32. That's just amazing. And we're hearing women, I mean, because we just heard about this, um, you know, just a few, a couple months ago, and 
just already the stories and women starting to hear about it, because one of those things, once you, the word gets out, it is pretty significant, especially in this time um, with the economy. People are looking for ways to really save money, to make their, their dollars and their budget stretch, but it's also an engaging way to do that. Now, I have a question. Is every treasure box the same? Does it have the same food? No. Um, actually, the, the, the three... Um, we actually have three main boxes that we offer every month. One is called the monthly treasure box, um, and that one is the box that we um, kind of push as the one that has the 65 to $85 worth of food in it, um, always 10 to 12 pounds of meat, side dishes, fruits, vegetables, and a dessert. We also have a, what's called a hearty meat protein box. Um, that always has 10 to 12 pounds of protein. Usually there are kind of nicer cuts of meat in there. Um, and then we have what's called the Quick and Healthy Box. Those are 10 individual microwave meals, and they are delicious. And they, are, they differ from some of the other meals that are out there because instead of being a lot of pasta with a little bit of meat in there, it's two to three ounces of protein in every meal, plus vegetables is usually the side dish. Um, so we actually have people who are losing weight on this box um, and eating them pretty regularly. But, yes, the meals, the, those Quick and Healthy meals, it'll be 10 meals one month, 10 meals the next month, and they go back and forth. With the monthly boxes and the hearty meat protein box, those change on a monthly basis. So one month you might get chicken and something else, and the next month you might get uh, pork loin and some other kinds of meats, and et cetera. Um, and then we offer a couple specialty boxes that rotate. Uh, for example, we have sometimes we offer a breakfast box. We have offered a seafood value box. Um, we've offered a kid's box. Um, and then our newest box is what's called a Simply Enough box because we have actually found that sometimes, believe it or not, we have too much food in that box. And some of our seniors or single people find that it's just too much food for a whole month. Um, so they will actually purchase the Simply Enough box uh, to kind of not be so overwhelming for them. Well, I just, it's just so great because there's variety. And so many times you think of, okay, I'm going to get food in a box, and you think, okay, it's going to be – your typical spaghetti and, and canned. No, she had me at dessert. I know. <laughs> so just listening to all you have, I just want you to know we're really hungry right now. And um, our sound engineer is like saying he's really hungry too. So it's like we're ready for, to dive into a treasure box right now. But um, love your passion for this and how you've gotten into it. And it's, it's just so cool when you, when you hear people's stories of how they just, they align themselves with some, a great organization like you have with Treasure Box that really benefits people and enhances their life. And just the impact of that and just, you know, the word of mouth. And this is, this is something positive that people can do. And we only have about a minute left. And love your passion. Can you just um, – there's something you just want to leave uh, the listeners with or even your story, how you embrace this, why it matters to you. Well, you know what? Um, this – that's that's a hard one because there's so much involved with that. But the reality is is that my my heart and passion is really for our churches to be the light in the community, um, and this gives our churches an opportunity to be that hands-on connection. And that's where we have a true partnership with all of our organizations. You know, they are the ones that are the heart lights. They are the ones providing the volunteers, and they're the ones. Um, getting out there on the Saturday to meet with each of with the people who come and purchase these boxes. You know, we're just the behind-the-scenes people. We're the ones that, um, you know, package it together, and that's all very important. Um, and we, we obviously try to do everything with excellence. But, you know, my, my heart and compassion is for our churches who, who are really on the front line every week, every month. 
Well, we just want to thank you so much, Coney. And, Coney, people can find you at the um, www.thetreasurebox.org. That is correct. And stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks, Coney. Thank you. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Togginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended. Our next guest is someone who has overcome obstacles to find her voice. She has a story that she is using to benefit others, and we want to welcome Amira Berger to Girlfriend It and to our discussion our, our discussion today on finding your voice. Welcome, Amira. Hi. How are you? We are doing great, and we are excited. We've had you on the show before, Amira, and you just have an incredible story. And we would love to just go there a little bit on unpacking your story and how those voices as you were younger had such an impact on you and how you've been able to overcome some of those voices. And just the messages they sent to you and the impact. Um, do you mean, well, a lot of them when I was younger was negative. Um, so I think it was actually the lack of voice that caused most of my pain and suffering because um, I didn't really have anybody stepping in when they needed to be stepping in. Um I was, uh, I started being raised when I was six by a family member, and um, afterwards, another uh, 
another family member came into the room and he had um, he had been he had finished raising me and my uncle had came into the room and saw some stuff going on and so he pulled me by the hair and put me into the corner for three and a half hours and told me that if I promised not to do it again that I wouldn't that um, he he promised not to tell my mother. So at that point, as a little kid, I automatically thought that I had done something wrong. And my cousin was 17, so I, I really don't understand the logic of um, a 17-year-old and a 6-year-old and the 6-year-old being held to blame. But I think that was really the first big thing that impacted my life because um, at that point I learned to be quiet, and it was his just his words that had such a huge impact on me. If he would have said anything else, I would have been able to, or if he wanted to talk to my mom about it with me, or, you know, there could have been a hundred different ways that that could have gone that would have impacted me in a positive way. But because of his lack of education and compassion, I guess it really impacted me ne- negatively. Which, well, I uh, that's really interesting, Amira, because so many times with sexual abuse, um, you you hear of that happening where the denial there, they will always, not always, but for the most part, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, they put the blame on the victim. And so right. it's quiet voice. They're always saying it was your fault. You seduced this person. Um, they don't want to take the ownership. They, you know, even it's something that's been horrific that they right. not stand up and go, yes, I, I was in the wrong here. And it's interesting that your uncle was in that same um, mindset of, yeah, how in the world does a six-year-old seduce a 17-year-old, but we're still going to put the blame on you, and like you said, it caused well, you to be quiet. The, we divert the blame because we don't want to take it, you know, if it was his son, we don't want to take the blame and admit there's some something wrong. So it's going to point right. finger outward and uh, and not look inward. And I think so many times, you know, unfortunately, um, Amira, it's like your story is Patty and I talk to women all the time, no matter where we are. Um, the same story is repeated um, of, of a lot of abuse and woundedness and these words and they really do trap us and lock us into a place, and and it's hard to get beyond that because you are told, you know, that that you are guilty of something and that you don't even realize, and so it's hard to get past that to where there really is healing and hope, and that's why today we just really want to talk about going words do um, impact us and that each one of us need to be aware of our own words and how we use them mm-hmm. with other people. Right. Well, and even your words today can help so many people listening um, on you were at that place where even though you were the the victim in the situation, your voice was, you know, quiet because you thought it was your fault. That's so many people that are out there to go, gosh, all these years I thought it was my fault. I thought I was the one to blame because that's what I was told at such a young age. So, um, And I felt... I was to blame for all of my abuse after that point. Because mm-hmm. that's what locked in your, your mind. So what right. what else happened? Lisa and I will interrupt you continuously, as you know. Um, and you have a great story, so so keep unpacking. Okay. So after that, um, I didn't I didn't tell anybody and I became pretty pretty highly sexualized at that point. 
um, because um, I, I do distinctly remember that that was the point where I stopped playing with dolls and toys and um, really was just like a little adult in this tiny little body, and I was tiny. <laughs> but um, after that, I started being molested by another family member, and that went on for about six to eight years. And um, it was kind of like right under my parents' noses. And again, I didn't say anything because at, at that point, I felt a lot of a lot of shame and a lot of woundedness, and I had a hard time talking about it. And I really did feel like I was doing it. Even though I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I felt like it was something that I was doing. And then um, because of all that brokenness and woundedness, I started to get pretty angry by the time I turned 12. And I had actually came out and told people about what had happened when I was not, when I was nine about my cousin that raped me when I was six. And my mom reacted like most moms will, I think. She freaked out. <laughs> yeah. She got really upset. She called the police. The police came down, and they talked to me, and they had her bring me up to the police station, and I was sitting in this little tiny cement room where um, I had to show them on a teddy bear everything he had done to me. And um, nothing happened to him, and after because it had been so long and something about there was a discrepancy between me saying I took my clothes off or him taking my clothes off, which I personally don't think it really matters when a six-year-old is taking her clothes off. So um, anyways, he did not get prosecuted or anything like that. And um, that experience was really traumatic to me too, because then I didn't want to tell anybody about anything that was going on because I had, like, three police officers in a room with me showing them on a teddy bear what I, what he had done. And then everybody in the family was calling me a little whore and a liar and all sorts of things afterwards because um, nobody believed me and um, nobody wanted to believe me. Well, and I think you learn at that point to shut your voice down. Mm -hmm. Your voice is right. Like, yeah. Feel like your your voice um, is not heard and it's not trusted or believed, and so and and you know what? As a twelve year old, how how does anybody um, really decipher through that? But especially when you're twelve, you don't have the tools to really right. know how to work through that and what's a healthy way to do that. So like you said, you just your behavior starts taking over, destructive behavior, just to survive and to cope. Mm -hmm. Well, and people should have noticed too because. I was in second grade, and I was stuffing my bra and tying my shirt up at school so everybody could see my midriff. That is just not, that's not normal behavior coming out of a seven-year-old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so in my life, there was a lot of people that missed a lot of signs that were there. But once I hit 12, I started getting pretty destructive, and um, my mom worked a lot, so I was pretty much left to my own device and able to do whatever I wanted. Um, I started cutting when I was 13. I tried to commit suicide when I was 13. Um, then I was just really self-destructive at that point. And I think the reason I cut was because as humans, and we're, we're made to feel like it's normal to feel our feelings. And after so much abuse and destruction, you're totally numb. And I think that's why I was, I needed to feel something, anything, because it's not natural not to feel anything. 
And then I started, when I was 15, my mom tried to commit suicide, and I dropped out of, out of high school and started, um, started doing drugs on and off and hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And then I started getting my stuff to get my life together when I turned 16, and I was living in a shelter, and I was going to school, and I was working full-time, and I was doing really good. And I left so that I could um, help my mom out. And while I was helping my mom um, at her job, I met another a girl who was about 10 years older than me. And we became really close friends. And I really needed somebody to look up to because I don't feel like I really had that. You didn't have the and, role models you were looking for. Right. And um, because I kind of felt like my mom's mom at that point in my life because I, I was so grown up. And it wasn't really my mom that was immature. It was just that I felt so grown by that point in my life from all the stuff that I had felt that I really felt like I should be giving her directions. Well, you really lost your childhood. I mean, it was taken away from you at six. You weren't able to be that little girl that plays with dolls. Like you said, you quit playing with dolls. So really your childhood was taken away from you and you become the the parent and in many different ways. Yeah, and so I really was rebelling against her. So I, I left I left the shelter so that I could go help her. And while I was there, I met this older girl who had been through a lot of the same stuff that I had been. And she, um, her ex-husband had prostituted her. And after, um, after about eight months, she took me to a club, which was a sex club, and we... We were hanging out there. I was really uncomfortable. It was really gross. And we went outside, and there was a guy there that was hitting on us. And the next morning, she called me, and she's like, hey, do you want to go meet with that guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, he's kind of old for me, but if you like him, let's go. And we got over there, and basically, um, that's the last time I've seen anybody for about six months because um, he was a pimp, and he started... Um, I started working for him, like, instantly. There was no fighting. There was no kicking or screaming because I had gone through so much abuse. Like, I didn't even fight abuse anymore. And so I just kind of looked at my feet and listened to what he had to say. And it was really hard to understand him because he talked so fast and um, he used so much language that I couldn't understand what he was saying. So really, to me, it was like being dropped off in a third-world country where I couldn't understand anything. And that was one of the big things that kind of, like, made me feel not human anymore, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, the whole experience was just very dehumanizing. And then um, he started grooming me. Amira, I'm going to interrupt right now because we're we're going to need to take a commercial break. But we want to finish the story, but also talk about the healing and how there is hope beyond all this horrific woundedness. Stay with us. Okay. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, 
Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. LinkedIn. It's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you? Every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We just finished um, talking with Amira Berger, and we're going to continue talking with her. And it's been kind of a heavy segment as, as Myra's been sharing her story and the impact of um, people's words and, and actions on her life, even as a young girl, and how that just affected her growing up and, and kind of deleted her childhood. So, Amira, we just so appreciate you just being authentic with your boys, sharing your story, because we know that it's going to give so many other people permission to come forward and to, to open up and start sharing their voice, and either, even other people to, just to hear the impact of their words and when they flippantly say something, it really can affect people. So we want to continue just talking with you a little bit, and just as we're going forward, just the, the healing and just the hope but that though these horrendous things can happen in our past, we, it doesn't have to define us and keep us locked into that, that we can become um, women of influence and with a purpose, right? So can you just talk a little bit now, just kind of the process of what and where you are? And, um, yeah. Um, well, and go well, ahead. And we want to hear, finish the story where you, we have, that commercial okay. rudely interrupted you, I want to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rude commercials. So um, after, okay, so after we met that guy and she had basically sold me to him, um, I was there for about six months. I don't really know, I can't really keep, track of time because like during that time I was so ugh, 
I had horrible things happen to me. I was forced to sleep behind a couch. I was raped for over three hours at one point. Um, I wasn't allowed to speak sometimes. Like, I mean, it was just a really horrific, and I'm sure you could fill in with your yeah. imagination the, the yeah. lines between. Um, so it was I have just to interrupt really real quick, Amira. So at that point, because this is the part people don't have, they, they can't comprehend, but yet when you're you're there as literally a child, you're just kind of move into the next, season of your life without even questioning um, At what point did you, you went from going to a club to all of a sudden just going with your girlfriend to be with this guy? Was there a part of you that just thought, I can't, I can't survive and I can't um, take care of myself and this person will at least take care of me? Is that? Um, I didn't really have like a trauma bond with, with him at all. Um, actually, they're really, really good at noticing and finding girls that have broken, been broken. In fact, there's several books out written by pimps that teach pimps how to pimp out a girl and how to look for the girls that are completely broken and have been, quote, unquote, quote, raped by their daddies or fingered by their uncles. Like, those are the quotes in these books. It's horrific. Anyways, wow. so... Just by just by me smiling at him when he flirted with me, he had me. Because if I was if I had a if I was a strong, confident girl and a thirty five year old man hit on me when I was sixteen, I'd be grossed out and I'd be like, Ooh, get away from me. But I wasn't. And so the minute I smiled Literally, at him, I, he was flirting with you and charming you. Right. Yeah, okay. But then after that it was just kind of like a almost like a business relationship. I literally looked at my feet the whole time he would talk to me, nod my head when he would ask me, do you understand? And that was it. There was no hugging, kissing. There was no love relationship between us whatsoever. He kept me at apartments with girls that were pretty mean to me, and they were the ones that kind of kept me in check. I just didn't feel like I had a way out. And my... I somebody actually quoted me on this the other day and I didn't even realize I had said it. But my question was is how do I fight for something I didn't even know existed? Yeah. Mm. I didn't know anything outside of that existed. So how would I run? How would I fight? What would I be fighting for? And, and now, that is, it's really good to make people aware of because some people times people on the outside that have not experienced these horrific things are our thinking is so much different. And so it's like, it sounds like, well, didn't you know to do? And it's like, no, I, I don't have those tools. I don't have that perception. So I think that is really good for others to, to understand kind of the, the thinking that, you know, that, that goes on. Right. So I went through, so I had the whole, that whole experience and it was really demeaning and I started sleeping like 16, 20 hours a day. Anyways, um, at one point, CPS started investigating them, and the cops started investigating a prostitution ring, so they let me go so they weren't caught with any evidence. Mm-hmm. And um, I left town, and I was doing great. Um, like, I just wanted to go get away from all of it. So I moved out of state, and then I was doing really good again. Once again, I was going to school, working full-time, doing all these amazing things and getting my life together. And then my aunt sexually assault me in a jacuzzi one night and wow. I'm just I think at that point I was like wow okay I'm done you know what I mean yeah because all of this brokenness came to that point and then so I just went on a horrible horrible drug binge and was living on the streets for about a year and 
doing so then at this, after you you hit rock bottom then at what point did you go okay i i need to get healing and then how did that that healing process take place because i know you're very much involved with mending the soul which right. is a ground that i would highly recommend for mm-hmm. everyone that's dealing with any type of abuse so uh tell us a little bit about that okay so after i um i hit rock bottom i by total chance met my husband and he kind of swept me away from the whole whole thing and we've really been building our life for the last six years and over the last, well, seven years now. Over the last six years, I had been really just focusing on being a mom, focusing on taking care of my kids um, and like really trying to just live this normal life. Well, it's kind of impossible to do that when you've experienced so much brokenness and you don't deal with it. You just put up a wall. Mm-hmm. So um, about a year ago, I got in contact with Mending the Soul, and um, at that point, I did not think my childhood was that bad when I first came in contact with them. Wow. <laughs> like, I did, I did not, I was like, you know, my parents loved me, and I had a roof over my head, and so it wasn't that bad. Um, I was just an angry teenager, and I caused all this stuff for myself. Well, we rationalize, don't we? As, as we so much rationalize and justify things, and we right. can't see our own lives objectively. So I went through, so I met with them, and I started meeting with Celeste Tracy, who's the founder of Mending the Soul. And we just sat down, and we started doing my timeline, which was I put down on a huge sheet of paper all of my abuse and brokenness, and I could start pinpointing how they each led into each other. And just that education of my abuse alone helped me heal tremendously. And um, so I started learning the effects of abuse, what abuse actually looks like, because some people think abuse is not abuse when it is. Like um, I have a friend that doesn't think that, because she watched pornography when she was six and seven years old, she doesn't think that's sexual abuse. And, but it is. It still, it still has the same effects as being touched. And, um, mentally, it does. And so, um, I just really started to learn about that and I kind of like ran with it. And so now, I'm working with girls that have been trafficked. I'm mentoring them. I'm helping Mending the Soul do trainings across like across the country. We just went up and did one in Portland this past weekend, which was absolutely amazing and very, very impactful for the people that were there. And um, we just trained that we're training, basically training caregivers how to walk alongside of these girls that are so incredibly broken because it's not just their trafficking experience. It's their whole life that they need to understand. And so we've just really been working with them and I'm, speaking out and um, sharing my story and educating people on the effects of abuse and trafficking and what it looks like. And it's just been really an incredible, incredible journey over this past year. And I'm well, you guys just another um, program and tell us a little bit about that. Cause I know mending the soul. Well, first of all, they have a phenomenal book that you can go mm-hmm. to, um, um, onto the website. You can go through our website as well um, to get this. And also the Lost Princess. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then we have another um, event this weekend that's here in Arizona. It's the Free to Laugh, and it's a comedy fundraiser for Streetlight, uh, which is there's a 5 o'clock and an 8 o'clock um, 
showing, and you can get your tickets online today for the last day. But you're going to that event as well, right? Yes. So, yeah. yeah and then tell us a little bit about the Lost Princess. Okay, the Princess Lost curriculum is our curriculum that we've created for traffic, human trafficking victims and caregivers. And basically it's not a fairy tale, and it follows a little girl through her abuse as a child into all of her self-destruction and pain and suffering and the trafficking and then into her, her healing and redemption. And at the very end of the story, the girl is healed and redeemed and cleansed, and she runs back into the cave to save all the other little girls that are still left behind. And, like, it sounds like the move, the, the story was written for me, but it, it wasn't, like, because, unfortunately, my story is not really any different from anybody out there that's been trafficked. I mean, there are a few girls that have been kidnapped and ripped off the street. That's true, but I'd say 96% of girls that are trafficked have sexual abuse in their background. And so um, so we really focus on the education of it, and then we have an interactive journal that the girls can write and um, learn about their abuse. What we do are these concerts, and we have three musicians that have created an 18-song CD out of their own healing of abuse, and they have various stories. And we play the songs, and we read some of the fairy tale, and the girls... The musicians share a little bit of their story in between songs and why they wrote the songs. And then at the end of the concert, I stand up and I share my story and my healing and um, really encourage people to do their own healing because a lot of people want to get involved and help girls that have been trafficked, but it's almost impossible to do unless you've done your own healing because you really have to be a safe person to make an impact on their life. Well, you know what, Amira, we only have a few seconds, like 30. Oh. Um, and you know what, thank you so much for just being real, sharing your story. And what I love about it is, it, I mean, from us listening, it just sounds horrendous, and it just makes you mad. Um, but yet what is so encouraging and so cool is that there is hope, there is healing, and you've gone through the work, you've thought it out, you've, you've done what it takes, and now you're using your story to benefit others, and you're using your words to the impact in such a powerful, positive way. So we just want to thank you for what you're doing and how you're helping other people, and thank you for joining us today on the show. Go out and live your best life. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 